Um, if you weren't here the first service, you didn't catch part one. So I'm sorry. This is part two. Blessed persecution. Blessed are those who are persecuted. So it'll, I think it's online. I'm not sure. It might be online. It is online. Okay, so you can see part one. If you need something to help you sleep tonight, put on part one. You'll be in blissful rest in no time. Blessed persecution. Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. So this morning we looked at a right understanding of persecution. How do we understand the persecution that's in view, that Jesus is speaking about here in this, the last of the Beatitudes? And the first thing we saw was that persecution and suffering are to be expected, right? That's just something as Christians, Jesus told us before he left the earth that we should expect to be persecuted. Why? Because he was persecuted. And that our persecution and suffering will become for two reasons. The first one would be because of righteousness and because of me, right? We saw that in the text. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, right? And then there in verse 11, because of me. So those are the two reasons that persecution, according to Jesus at this point, would enter into our lives. And so he broadens our understanding of persecution as well, right? Most of us, when we think about being persecuted as a Christian, we think of being like drawn and quartered, or we think of being whipped at the stake or burnt at the stake, you know, or being executed with a guillotine, right? We think of these horrible, horrible concepts of persecution come to mind. Well, Jesus broadens it to, hey, if you're verbally attacked, if you're insulted because you're trying to live a righteous life, because you're telling other people the loving good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and this is the kind of persecution that I'm talking to you about, right? There we see it in verse 11. He broadens our understanding of the persecution that's in view. He also reminded us that we're in good company when we're persecuted for righteousness and for His namesake, right? Because throughout the ages, men and women have suffered for their faith in God and their faith in Jesus Christ. We talked about the fact that right now, today, somebody is going to die because they place their faith in Jesus Christ. Somewhere around the world, that somewhere over 5,000 Christians literally are martyred every year because of their faith. And we're in good company when we're insulted, right? We sometimes think, well, I'm not being persecuted like the people around the world, the 1040 window that are really suffering because, you know, I just take some flack from my coworkers because, you know, they say, you're such a prude, right? You do this and that, you know, you're such a goody two-shoes, are you guys talking about Jesus again? You know, that kind of persecution. But we're in good company when we're persecuted. Right? Jesus says in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And then lastly, Jesus motivates us to suffer well when persecuted because we will have not just a reward, but a greater reward. If we suffer for righteousness' sake, if we suffer for the cause of Christ then we have this great reward. He says, because great is your reward in heaven. So that was the first service. That was the first message. Now I want to talk about five misunderstandings concerning persecution and suffering. I talked about what Jesus was talking about with respect to persecution. Now I want to give you five misunderstandings. They're really that Western, uh, Western Christianity has, uh, has developed and spread throughout the world, unfortunately. Right with the, uh, the rise of the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel, with the rise of the word of faith movement, 
that says God wants you to be blessed. God wants you to prosper. God wants you to have all these, these things, and you shouldn't sh- suffer as a Christian, which is a lie. And it's been spread around the world. And so some of you may have suffered persecution for your faith. And I would just like to say, I'm going to broaden a little bit, right? Persecution and suffering, because there's a misunderstanding of, of suffering and how God works through suffering. Right? Persecution is the act, like somebody um, attacks you, and the suffering is the result that flows from that. So five misunderstandings concerning persecution and suffering. That's the first thing we're going to look at. So let me skip forward here to those five misunderstandings. The first one is this, misunderstanding one. Christianity is a mean of deliverance from the suffering in this life. Christianity is a means of deliverance from persecution and suffering in this life. That's a misunderstanding, right? I've come to faith in Christ, right? I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm God's child. I've got Psalm 91 protection over my life. Nothing, nothing will attack me that God isn't going to take care of. Well, God's never not in control, okay? But we will face attacks that seem like they're out of control. And so God's Word clears up this understanding for us. Because in fact, the more we become like Jesus, the more we should expect to be treated as Jesus was. Right? And this is a carryover from the first message. Right? The moment we face, the moment we place our faith in Jesus Christ, the moment you come to faith, you start a journey of growth in Christ. You're being transformed daily to become more and more like Jesus Christ. And the more you become like Christ, the more your actions are going to change, the more righteously you're going to live, you'll be persecuted for the sake of righteousness. You'll be persecuted more because you're declaring the good news of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus, again, I'm reminding you, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you also, Jesus says. They will treat you this way because of my name. And it's also helpful to remember when they reject you, who are they really rejecting? They're rejecting Christ. So that's the first misunderstanding. The second misunderstanding concerning persecution and suffering is that God loves His children too much to allow them to suffer at the hands of unbelievers. Right? Greater is the one who is in you who is in, than who, the one who is in the world. Right? So you have this Holy, the Holy Spirit living within you. You have God's, and we pray this all the time, a hedge of protection. Right? You have saints praying for you. Nothing is going to happen to you because you're God's child. What does the Gospel teach us about this? The Gospel teaches us this, that Jesus, dearly loved by the Father, the Son of God, was persecuted and suffered at the hands of unbelievers. Jesus, dearly loved by God, the Son of God, was persecuted and suffered at the hands of unbelievers. So, if we're no different than Jesus, our Savior, then we shouldn't be expect to be different, uh, treated differently. Right? We are in union with Christ. We are one in Christ. We are His. We shouldn't, be, we shouldn't expect to be treated any differently, right? And so Acts chapter 2 talks about this. In Acts chapter 2, Peter is preaching his great sermon on the day of Pentecost. 
and he's laying the Jews out, telling them what a horrible thing they have done. And he says this, This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, Jews, with the help of wicked men, the Romans namely, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. So if Jesus, the Son of God, dearly loved by the Father, was persecuted and suffered for our sake, and he suffered at the hands of evil men in the world, then do we think we're going to be treated any differently? No, we're not. So that's another misunderstanding. Misunderstanding three is this, that those who suffer are being chastised for sin. Those who are persecuted and suffer for the sake, because of persecution are being chastised, chastised for sin. Right? We think this all the time. This goes through people's mind quite frankly, and I, I get this. People say, God must be punishing me for this. I'm under God's hand of punishment right now because of suffering. Now, there's two categories of people that I have to, to look at here. There are God's children, and those are people who aren't God's children. Okay? As a child of God, when you're suffering, you're not suffering because of you know, somehow God's, you know, God's frowning at you. He's unhappy with you. No, you're his child. Christ has taken your sins away. Okay? If you're a child of God and you're suffering because of persecution, is because your loving Heavenly Father has allowed this into your life because he's working a far greater plan than you can possibly imagine. He's doing something wonderful in your life. That's why we say, blessed are those who are persecuted. When you're being persecuted and you have that suffering that goes along with it, God's doing something special in your life. I was talking to Eileen walking up the steps. She's like, yeah, if God can do this and that, surely he can take this, these problems that I have away. Surely he can take care of that. Well, absolutely God can do that. Can the one who created the universe in six days not take care of a health problem? Of course he can. But see, God the Father is working a far greater plan in our lives. He has something more beautiful for us than what we have now. And the suffering related to persecution is a part of God's plan. Now, the people outside of God that aren't God's children, I can't say the same thing for them. If you sin, you suffer the consequences. It could be God's judgment on you. I don't know. But there is a misunderstanding taught by the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. There must be some sin in your life that's causing you to suffer the way that you're suffering. Well, the gospel teaches us that Jesus was persecuted and he suffered even while he was sinless. The sinless Son of God, First Peter tells us. Peter says this, for it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing something wrong and endure it? Right? I addressed that earlier. Being persecuted because you're sinning and doing something wrong is not the kind of persecution that's blessed. He continues, But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. He committed no sin and, in this, and, and no deceit was found in his mouth. 
So you look at that two ways. One, when Jesus was being persecuted, when he was, when he was suffering, when he was, when he was walking up that hill called Golgotha, carrying his cross for a while, when he was being nailed to the cross, being punished for our sins, no deceit was found in his mouth. He was, he was silent. So he was sinless at that moment too, but we know that he was sinless every moment prior to that. So he wasn't suffering because he sinned. No, he's suffering because God was orchestrating his plan of redemption to cause the greatest good that could ever be caused through his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. So it's a misunderstanding to think that you're being persecuted and suffering because some sin in your life. Job was a righteous man. A righteous man. And he suffered. The fourth misunderstanding, again there's five, and I've kind of already addressed this, suffering is a sign of God's displeasure with you. That the cosmic frown of God is upon you. And because of that, you're being persecuted and you're suffering, right? There's this, this for that. I'm going to get you because you did this. And you've got to stop viewing God that way. He does not treat His children that way. Please. That is not how God, a loving Father, works in your life. As a loving Father, God is only going to bring what is good into your life. So when persecution comes and suffering comes, it's not because of God's displeasure. The Gospel teaches us that God, in love, allowed His Son to be persecuted and suffered. This is kind of a repeat, but it's a, it's a nuance on it. Because we know in Isaiah chapter 53 that it pleased God to crush His Son. He wasn't unhappy with His Son when He was crucified. It pleased Him. Are you familiar with Isaiah chapter 53? He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon Him. And by His scourging, we are healed. But the Lord was pleased. It was God's good pleasure to allow His Son to be persecuted and suffer for His cause. Jesus says, if it happened to me, going to happen to you. You're no different. And lastly, the fifth point here, persecution and suffering at the hands of unbelievers means that they have won the victory over you, right? So that person has gotten the best of you. That person who's persecuting you, the person who's insulting you, the person who's saying things behind your back at work, oh, they've gotten the best of me because look, Every time they talk, I feel, like, I feel like they've won and I'm just this, oh, just this weak person and I have no comeback for them. They've won the victory over me. And somehow, by extension, over the cause of Christ. But the fact of the matter is that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is going to return and His victory will be sure it will be complete. He will avenge those who have been persecuted and suffered for His name's sake. We see that in Revelation chapter 12. Then I heard a loud voice from heaven say, actually let me back it up. The point is this. The Gospel teaches us that Jesus rose victoriously from the grave, conquering sin and death, and He will come again to destroy those who have persecuted God's children. 
Jesus has the final say. Jesus will avenge us. Jesus will vindicate us. No matter how powerful the world seems, no matter how strong the media seems, no matter how overwhelming the tide of the culture is against Christianity, Jesus will have the final say. So again, Revelation chapter 12, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters. Who's that? It's Satan. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters. Who accuses them before our God day and night. He has been hurled down. They triumphed over Him by what? The blood of the Lamb. That's what I say the Gospel tells us this. They triumphed over Him by the blood of the Lamb. And the hymn there is the accuser, accuser of the brethren, of Satan. And by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Right? To shrink from death and to love your life is to say, I can't handle the persecution. I can't go through that. I'm, I'm going to flee the persecution. And these people stood firm in the face of persecution and they suffered knowing that Christ had won the victory. And that those energized in the world, those in the world energized by the accuser of the brethren would be defeated. Christ wins the victory. The world is not going to win. The world that persecutes us, the world that insults us, the world that maligns us, that lies about us is not going to win. And you can live daily in that knowledge, in that confidence. And as you live in that knowledge, in that confidence, you can answer gently as you give reason for the hope that lies within you. So then we have five misunderstandings about persecution and the suffering that goes along with it. Now I want to turn back to the text, right? Because the text tells us that we're blessed. Blessed are you. Blessed are you if you're persecuted. That's so crazy. That's so radical. That's so counter to our mindset. How can I be blessed as I'm persecuted? How can I be blessed as I suffered? I'm going to give you seven reasons why this is true. Seven reasons that there are blessing, there is blessing in persecution and suffering. First of all, persecution is inseparable from saving faith. As you think about the Gospels, and you think about how Jesus calls people to salvation, I say this quite often, Jesus doesn't call people to salvation by saying, hey, you know what, if you just pray this prayer, and, and you say that you recognize that I'm the Messiah, and that, that I'm going to die on the cross for your sins, I'm right. if you just recognize that, then then." then then that's it. The deal is sealed and, and heaven is yours. Is that how Jesus presents the gospel to them? How he presents salvation? No. No, Jesus, I love it because he does not soft sell his call. He does not sugarcoat his call. He doesn't say, hey, follow me. This is going to be a great road trip. It's going to be so cool. You're going to love it because you follow me. Health, wealth, and prosperity. All that God has for you is going to be poured out upon you and blessing upon blessing. Is that what he says? No. Persecution is inseparable from saving faith. Right? Jesus says, look, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. What does it mean to take up the cross? It means I am willing to be persecuted even to the point of death. And so anything less than that comes into play. 
I am willing to face insults. I'm willing to face people lying about me. I'm willing to face all the sneers and the eye rolls that people, that people do when they hear me talk about my faith or when they see me live a righteous life. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Persecution is, is, is inherent in this call to salvation. If you want to avoid persecution... If you, want to, if you want to make everybody like you and have everybody happy with you and people never insult you and just try to be a people pleaser all the time, he says here in verse 25, if you want to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you're willing to be persecuted and give up your life for me, you will find it. That's Jesus' call to salvation. And so you're blessed if you're persecuted because it validates the fact that you're on the way of the cross. You're, you're following the way of salvation that Jesus calls us to. That's the first blessing. The second blessing is this. Perse- uh, persecution confirms God's work of grace in our lives. That God indeed is at work in you and in me as we face persecution. Philippians 1.29 for it has been granted, that word granted is graced. It has been graced to you. It is, is an unmerited gift from God to you. God has a gift to you. God wants to give you something that you can't earn. It has been graced to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe. See, faith is a gift from God. Faith is a gift. But guess what the other gift is? To suffer for Him. So we're blessed as we suffer because we know that God's work of grace is active in our life because we've decided to follow the way of the cross and suffer persecution even to the point of death with Jesus Christ. So we're blessed. We have that confirmation. It's an assurance of salvation. It's an assurance of saving faith when we undergo persecution and suffering for the name of Christ, for the cause of righteousness. Thirdly, Persecution is a source of deepening fellowship with Christ. I find this amazing. The Apostle Paul, he wrote 13 of the books in the New Testament. Arguably the the greatest theological mind ever to walk on the planet. He knew so much about God, so much about Jesus Christ. He met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. He received the gospel from Jesus Christ himself. I want to know Christ more. I'm not satisfied with my knowledge of Christ. I want to know Christ. I want to know him deeply and intimately. So what was Paul's answer to that? How could he know Christ deeply and intimately? Well, it was to share in his suffering. This is a guy who's chained to a a Roman guard. A guy who's been beaten and stoned, shipwrecked, floating at sea for days at a time. Paul says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings. Becoming like Him in His death. And so somehow, attaining to the resurrection from the dead. You can relate to this, right? So, when people share a common experience, there's a bond there that allows them to interact at a different level, right? 
So men can't give, well, I say men can't give birth to women, birth to babies, but that's up for discussion right now. But so, so women can give birth. And they sit around, they talk about, they share stories about giving birth, about carrying a baby, about this and that. There, there's an intimacy there. Right? If, you, if you've suffered something like, so, so a few years ago we took this camping trip. We took 35 kids camping. And that night it rained in eight hours. It rained five inches. We're out on this camping trip, right? And so everybody who was there on that camping trip has this bond, right? Because we suffered together with those kids in this torrential rain. Like there's this bond there because we had this experience together. And Paul's like, I, I, want, I want this experience I want to share in the sufferings of Christ so that I know, I know him better, more deeply. And so being persecuted and suffering for the cause of persecution is a way to deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ. Because what happens when you suffer? Where do you go? You go into the word. You go into prayer. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, as the power of the Spirit rests on you, your relationship with Christ is strengthened. Next, persecution is a source of blessing because it's a source of joy recognizing God's favor. Right? Joy. God's favor is upon me. I'm being persecuted. And again, this sounds crazy. This is so counterintuitive. This is so counter to our flesh. We do everything we can to avoid persecution and suffering on a regular basis. Would you guys agree? And, and the followers of Christ were like, yes! We were found in God's favor because He allowed us to participate in the sufferings of Christ. In Acts chapter 5, the context of Acts chapter 5 is the disciples have been meeting in the temple area in Solomon's colonnade, and they are performing all kinds of miracles. It is amazing the number of miracles that are being performed there. Well, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they're kind of jealous. They don't like the fact that all the disciples are getting, they're getting all the, the press, right? They're getting more likes on their social media, right? They're like, this is not good. So they go and they get the disciples and they lock them up. Well, you know the story that night, an angel comes, get back in the colonnade, don't be afraid of persecution, don't go to another place to share the gospel, don't leave the country, don't take your family flee. Go right back to where you were, Solomon's Colonnade, and tell them about eternal life. What did they do? They went back and they started talking about Jesus Christ again. But before they could do that, they were beaten, severely flogged. And so we read here in the text, he says, the apostles left the Sanhedrin, that's the Sadducees, Pharisees, all these guys, rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering, disgrace, for the name. Who's the name? The name is Christ. And then day after day in the temple courts from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. They were counted worthy of suffering with Christ. And God's favor was upon them. Next, we're blessed. Persecution means your faith is being purified and strengthened. I think you get this. Persecution means that your faith is being purified and strengthened. First Peter, again, First Peter, the whole theme of First, First, First Peter is living a holy life in the midst of suffering and persecution. That's the theme of First Peter. We just finished it on the Wednesday Bible study. I'd say, okay, what's Peter talking about? 
Living a godly life and suffering. Okay, they said it again and again. 1 Peter 1, verse 6. In all this, you greatly rejoice. In all this is the salvation that God has preserved for us, all the riches of Christ in heaven. Okay? In all this, you rejoice because it's waiting there for you. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Now, the trial in view here. It's not, you know, my, my transmission went out on my car, man. I don't have a way to get around. I can't get to work. That's not the trial that's in view. It's not, a, it's not a bad marriage. It's not not having food. It's you're being persecuted for the cause of Christ. He says, in all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come, Why? So that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, right? So there's this concept of gold, which is impure, being placed in the fire, and all the impurities come out of the gold, and the gold is purer than it was before. That's what's in view here. Your faith is strengthened. You learn perseverance as you go through the trials. That the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in what the praise and glory and honor when Christ is revealed. So as you're being persecuted, you can have confidence that God's favor is upon you, His grace is at work in your life, that you are on the way of the cross. Your salvation is being validated, and that saving faith is being strengthened. It's being refined by the fire of persecution and suffering. When, when is it, if you look at the book of Acts, when is it that the church grows? The church grows when it's persecuted. The church grows when it's persecuted. And so by extension, we grow when we're persecuted. We grow when we're suffered, when we suffer as well. Next, two more. This is number, number six, Okay. Blessed. Persecution provides an opportunity for Christ to manifest His power within you. Persecution provides an opportunity for Christ to manifest His power in you. You know, when you face insults of all kind, when people lie about you at work, when people malign you at work, and you're having to deal with all that, because simply because you've been trying to live out your faith, that's a difficult trial to go through. One of those things where you don't want to, you don't go to work. You don't, I don't feel like going to work. I don't want to have to interact with those people. Take me away, God. And God's like, no. I've given you this job. I've given you these co-workers. I've allowed persecution in your life. I am going to give you the strength and the power you need to live by faith in that workplace. Why? Because my power is perfected in your weakness. See, God's power isn't perfected when we think we've controlled it all. We can do it all ourselves. Oh, I can handle this. I can do that. All those days when you feel like you're in control, that's not God's power, necessarily. No, God's power is perfected when you feel like you're at your end and you can't do anything about the situation. And Paul understood that as he wrote his letter to the church at Corinth, his second, third letter, fourth letter. As Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, he was talking about his weaknesses as an apostle, about all that he had suffered, all the persecution and the suffering that he had gone through. He talks about this thorn in his flesh, but that, the thorn in the flesh really is in a, in a broader context 
of all the suffering that he had endured as an apostle. And he writes this for our good. He says, But God said to me, Jesus said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest in me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses, in my insults, in the insults I suffer, in the hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong in the power of Christ. I like the thought of Christ's power working through me. His power is best manifest when we are at our weakness, when we're suffering persecution. Lastly, persecution results in unimaginable eternal reward. Persecution results in unimaginable eternal reward. Reward. This is how I close the first message. There's a greater reward for us. You have to live with a heavenly mindset. As you think about our culture and the tidal wave of anti-Christian belief that's coming at us, we think there's just no way. There's just no way. I can't, I can't do it. I can't make it. We can't make it. The church is going to fail. And God says, no, look, keep on pressing on, knowing that you have a reward in heaven, that heaven awaits you. Right? Again, 1 Peter, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that's come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. Verse 13, but rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. When Christ's glory is revealed, his kingdom is revealed. Is going to be made manifest and all the blessings of the kingdoms, the kingdom, all the rewards that are ours are going to be present. We will be rewarded for enduring persecution and suffering. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. So the blessing of persecution, Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, right? So there's this blessing, right? These seven blessings. It's the essence of saving faith. It's the confirmation of God's work of grace. It's a deepening fellowship with Christ. It's a source of joy. It's a purification and strengthening of our faith. It's an opportunity for God's power to work in your life and it's unimaginable reward. So when Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, I want you to think about those things. Those blessings need to come in your mind because yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of things against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. There is a blessing in persecution. May God grant us the grace to endure through persecution to experience that blessing as individuals and as the body of Christ, Grace Baptist Church, and Him trimming. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you um, for the encouragement that you give us and the Beatitudes. Father, I pray that as the body, the body of Christ, that we would live out all that's contained in the Beatitudes. 
And Lord, now as, as we recognize our transformation in Christ, or as we consider the Sermon on the Mount that continues in Matthew's Gospel, Lord, I pray that You would grant us the grace to understand what Jesus is trying to tell us. And then, Father, we ask that You would grant us the grace to live out what Jesus is teaching us in the Sermon on the Mount. And as we live that out, as we live righteously, Father, please help us to stand up under persecution in the power of Christ knowing the blessing that awaits us in the kingdom. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you would, stand. We're going to sing a song.